Welcome inside the world of Duotone, everybody. I'm Joe Siastula, and joining me in the studio today, I have head photographer for Duotone Kiteboarding, Toby Bromwick. Toby, how's it going? I'm doing very well, Joe. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you very much for joining you. It's great to catch up. It has been a while, mate. Yeah, it has been. Yeah, um, yeah. we used to be housemates at one point, and yeah, it's been, uh, I think with the pandemic... Uh, yeah, it's been a little while since I've been able to get back to Tarifa. But yeah, good to hear from you again, Joe. Yeah, no, it is great. Great to catch up, Toby. So, Toby, obviously, inside the world of kiteboarding, you are probably one of the most known photography from, you know, since the you've been doing photography for at least 15 years. But where did it all begin for you? Who is Toby Bromwick? Um, well, I guess I started off in kiteboarding as a... Uh, I started doing... Uh, as an instructor, I became an instructor, and I my first place I went to after getting my instructors was uh, Dominican Republic, and um, yeah, a couple of seasons teaching. This was back in two thousand and two, and um, photography was just kind of a hobby, but I didn't really pursue it. And um, I guess the photography side of things, it just uh, I was actually building my own kiteboards back then, and I would give them to the local Dominican kids and uh, I'd sometimes take some photos of them on my kiteboards, riding my kiteboards and that was probably the first time I kind of showed my images to other people and uh, they were kind of more interested in the photos than the the boards. (laughs) So so, yeah, that's probably the first time I had actually two photographers that told me that I had a good eye for it Um, but I didn't really think anything of it. You know, I was kind of looking at more from I guess a technical standpoint um on my side and you know just for the love of the sport and just trying to you know get a shot that that looked good to put you know to show off the product really I guess yeah you know I think you definitely have the eye I mean you know with all the years you've been as a photographer and, and where you've ended up Toby I mean it says it for itself I think I remember when you were in the Dominican because correct me if I was wrong <laughs> I think I think Tom Court gave me your camera on the beach <laughs> he did he did this was actually like uh one of my first digital cameras and um this was I think before I'd even submitted uh images really at that point and um there was a, a a tour event and you were out there competing and I'd never met you before, but I let Tom hold on to my camera for five minutes, which was my like pride and joy. Uh, you know, I saved up so much and then all of a sudden I saw this stranger holding my camera and I'm like, who's this guy? And uh, yeah, so I just went up to you and I was like, uh, I think that's my camera. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was. Uh, that's a long time ago. Good memories now. I, I remember. I mean, also, if I'm, I think that was when you actually started shooting because, like you said, it was a PKRA event back there in DR. And I remember you, we, we did some shoots together over in Laboca with the sunsets. And then you started to actually get involved on the PKRA side. Daniel Anderson, who basically couch surfed yeah. on our cat. Yeah, he couch surfed on our couch for um one whole summer in dominican and he was telling me how amazing perth was um in western australia and he convinced me to come out he was uh running a school with only two instructors and this was in the days when there was a handful of people in west mm. australia and mm. um we used to teach together and then in the afternoons we'd go ride and um i would ride and then in, at the end of the day i would take photos of him and um 
yeah, we just kind of he was obviously he was actually a a team rider for 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 North back then, which is obviously now Duotone. He was an international team rider doing the tour, and um, obviously he had a good level. And yeah, we just kind of worked together, sort of documenting the tricks he he could do and stuff. So that's kind of how it first came around. Um, yeah. Yeah, the old the old sequence photos, the old sequence photos, Toby. <laughs> yeah, we did a lot. I think that was probably, I think my first published image actually was a was a sequence of a a back to blind from uh, from Dan Anderson, and then that became um, I submitted. Um, I got asked if I had more. I did have more, and um, for a little while that became sort of like the um the requirement of uh you know i had other magazines mm. reach out to me as well and um i think when we did some work together i think the following year in dominican we did we did a lot of sequences and i remember that i remember that issue where you got 22 <laughs> double pages and the cover it was kind of ridiculous <laughs> yeah yeah good old rue good old rue i hope if he, if he is listening a big shout out to him mate definitely from back in the days that's for sure yeah, yeah. Good so, so Toby, also that was because um, you had a magazine, the Core Mag, which was down that time when you were in Oz. Because how many seasons did you do in Oz? Three, four? Actually, I did six summer seasons, um, and that would used to be my um, sort of go-to spot. Um, I, I did the first year. I don't think I was on uh, working on the tour. Um, in Australia, but um, my housemate in Dominican was a judge on the tour. He used to be a competitor, Julian Kidd. And we used to work together a lot. He would do a lot of writing for magazines and I would do photos. And I got, I knew the tricks. Um, I could do some of them, not like I wasn't obviously pro level, but um, I'm quite, I guess, technically minded. Um, and it used to be actually the fact with Daniel's. Uh, with Daniels, he he knew how to do tricks, but didn't know how to put them into writing. So I often wrote mm-hmm. the text for him <laughs> for how to do it because I could break it down. <laughs> and that kind of lent well into sort of you know being able to judge. So I I started off doing a couple of Australian nationals, and uh, then Julian sort of put me forward to to come and trial out for the PKA because they needed some judges. And I did my first event was in um, Coche in Venezuela. And there was like a trial run. And then after that one, they said they kind of booked me in for the whole year. So, uh, yeah, I, I started off sort of traveling and judging. Um, and then I would go to Australia in, in the um, in the off seasons and and kind of how the magazine came around. It, it was getting to the point where we were doing so much traveling um, with the riders and also getting a lot of content, high end content. I mean, I remember of the course. years where. I, I distinctly remember the years where Aaron was kind of coming to the event with new tricks um, every time. You know, we would document these. Um, I would, I would judge, and then I would, uh, you know, try and get a shot of it after after the heats, if possible. And um, it was getting to the point where we had so much content; it was some of the stuff wasn't really getting seen, and the uh, some of the content they weren't magazines were maybe after m- more relatable content that riders could learn rather than the high-end stuff and we really felt that there was a a lot of the high-end stuff was sort of going by the wayside and um core kind of came about to sort of show a bit more of the lifestyle and that side of of the the high-end kiting you know i, I guess from our point of view we were thinking like 
a little bit like snowboarding or big wave surfing. Yeah. You you may never ride yeah. the big wave or you may never do that cliff drop, but it's aspirational. Yeah. And I remember kind of what... calling your magazine, Toby, the underdog magazine, because obviously the tour is a family and, and the, the, you know, the tribal vibe that the surfing side of a kiteboard in New York, some of where the roots come, it is one big family. And you being part of that tour, being part of that scene, obviously gave you access to things that other people won't be able to get. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think definitely that was something we were trying to show. Um, the, we saw kind of what was happening at the, you know, the top echelon of, of the sport. And um, I think like at the time they were maybe trying to get across more uh, intermediate moves and things. So maybe they weren't interested, but we thought it was definitely a side that, that should be shown. And, um, you know, I, outside of that, too, I was making an effort to try and cover all aspects of the sport back then. So whether it be the wave riding side um, and, you know, even the wake style side, like I went to the triple S, I've been to everyone except for two triple S's. Uh, and it's, I think, 14. They've done 14. I've been to 12. Um, so it was a, you know, we really got to see the whole spectrum of kiteboarding. And we would we would also want to sh- expose talent that was worthy, whether they were a big name or not. So we kind of actually, you know, people like Ian Aldridge and things like this. We, yeah, yeah. He, he was, you know, he, he still is an amazing rider. And um, we just kind of, you know, credit where credit's due. We, we weren't, uh, we were just trying to showcase what we thought was uh, sort of the cutting edge i guess yeah and i think it, it's like you say it's a good way it, it's it is that underdog i keep saying it is you guys did you know bring out some of those riders who you know kind of like maybe like the clay marzos of surfing some of them that you know were local heroes or guys randomly turn up that didn't do competitions but you know you put them out there and they absolutely ripped and i think it was really cool, cool to be able to see that in a mag but also you guys had a pretty famous uh slider or obstacle competition yeah i think actually you attend we had uh three slider events we put on in western australia and it kind of came about a little bit as a a coincidence we ended up building a rail um one year and we had chris burke and tom court and uh a few other guys out and 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 i think yeah and i think i think you were out there the first season too and um we basically built, built this rail and um we put it we put it in the water without realizing we needed a permit and then we kind of got into some trouble with the with the local authority and um <clears throat> kind of pursued you know the the correct avenue to go down and we we had to do permits through four different government departments and they finally i think you know because we kept on and on they gave us like one day to do an event so we we put a little note out on the uh, local forum sea breeze and uh suddenly we had like well yourself turning up and um i think tom tom hebeer um you guys were over on a photo shoot i think and then we even had uh clinton bolton who like flew over yeah. from south yeah, africa yeah, yeah. so that that was the first year and then um it, it just developed from there the second year we did it over a couple of days we built even bigger and more obstacles and um then the final year, it was it, basically everybody that, you know, Andre Philippe, um, we had Kiahi Kia, Kia Boitis when he used to ride boots for a little bit. Um, we had 
Now that is back in the day. Now that is back in the day. (laughs) That is, yeah. We had, uh, yeah, Sam Light, uh, all of the UK, you know, US, basically the top guys in in Wakestar at the time, even Greg Norman Jr. Um, So, yeah, that was was pretty cool. And we did it on a shoestring budget. I mean, we had two helicopters. This was before drones. Mm. Um, We were were doing, we managed, we knew the guys uh, from the heli shooting we did. Um, back in the day and they allowed us to like sticker up their helicopters so it looked like this huge production but it was done on a kind of a shoestring budget with uh well with a lot of people helping out um alex lewis hughes and cam press who just put in you know weeks <clears throat> weeks of just welding <laughs> with me <laughs> it, it was it, it was pretty brutal but it was uh yeah pretty cool and i think everybody that you know it looked like a big deal. I remember people people come to me now saying like, "We thought you guys owned your own helicopters." <laughs> so yeah, work like, work quite I, that big it time. Was, but. It was it was good times. I remember you guys having that house just over next to Woody's, and then everybody kind of you know going down, putting it putting their little nail in, getting it done. You know the event, all the people, and then also you know going up for the parties and everything. Good times. It seems it seems a lifetime ago, Toby. Yeah, it does. Yeah, that was. Uh, I'm not too sure the neighbors liked us too much. It was probably, it, it did look like the houses around us were immaculate lawns and we just had these, we were building these, uh, you know, like some of them were like 24 meters long uh, rails. So it's just in the front garden. <clears throat> so yeah, they, I don't know what they must have thought. <laughs> yeah, well, they, no, we had a laugh anyway. <laughs> yeah, so Toby, going, going back into the photography side, obviously, you know, one of the things we can see with you, and I mean, you, know, you and I have been housemates for a few years, is you have touched pretty much every different aspect of the sport. You've gone from, from rider to judge to photography to magazine to being part of the tour, helping out, and now kind of the, the, not the final piece, but where you are at at the moment is you are the head photographer for the biggest kiteboarding brand out there where did that come into the picture um well it, it kind of came in i guess i used to prioritize the tour and then it went through um well basically the tour um got bought out and um there was some questionable things that kind of happened a lot of politics going on at that time and um i used to get asked all the time you know for every photo shoot that that uh, Duotone did if I was available, but I always prioritized the tour. And I was actually in Cape Town during that period where the new tour was coming in and it was kind of looking a little bit questionable. And um, yeah, they just didn't really do, they, they promised a lot and it kind of went the other way, unfortunately. And um, yeah, Tommy Tommy Kaiser, from who's the head of marketing in, in Duotone or Boards of More actually now, um, he basically just said to me that, you know, it would be a no-brainer for him if he could just book me for everything they have and, you know, just kind of pull me in to, to sort of be able to do everything that they need. So that that was, uh, it felt a little bit, you know, I, I, I felt at the time like I, I obviously loved doing what I did. I love the riders, you know how it is as a family. And I felt almost a little bit guilty in a way because I was like, am I letting these guys down? But it was just an impossible situation uh, with the with the, the tour peak management at that time. So I had to step away and luckily, um, yeah, Tommy, it worked out to be great. You know, it's, um, it's, it's you know, doing photo shoots is extremely different, different to doing events um, and both have their challenges. And I love, you know, the aspect of both. And 
and both teach you a lot, you know, in different ways too. So it's, um, you know, you're always learning, you're always trying to improve. Um, you know, it's definitely a challenge to get a good image in, in competition where you have zero control over the situation and you're not trying to, you know, get in the way of uh, a heat or anything. Um, so, no yeah, greenhorn, no no greenhorn, mate. No riders landing on your head. <laughs> well, that was, uh, yeah, I did get hit. Well, that was usually like the, you know, the few shots afterwards. Uh, I think uh, trying to do fisheye shots in, in uh, Foot of Ventura uh, on the south <laughs> side is not, not really a good idea <laughs> in hindsight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But obviously, like I like you say, I mean, it's I think it's two different beasts. You know, you have the events which you know you're not in the way. You're trying to get the shots maybe from a little bit further away of a distance, and then on further shoots you have more control where you can stage a little bit more. But from your side, which do you prefer? And also, you know, what makes you be able to to go outside of that box? Because I mean, we've known each other for a very long time and you have the industrial background, you have that engineer side and you're always building stuff, always, you know, the bikes are pristine, getting all the stuff together. How do you, every single year, because obviously you have new products coming out, but they have a similar feel to them. Where do you get the inspiration? Um, yeah, I just think it's, you know, the not just myself, the crew we work with, we're always pushing to improve on on what's done before and we never want to be complacent i guess and you know it's just a constant um you know whether it's carlos in the video side um tommy um everybody in our crew is really you know consistently pushing to do better work um so i think that's kind of a little bit where it comes from um that kind of drive um the difference in the photography yeah you do get more control to to direct um on a photo shoot but we're also it's lit the other thing that i would say that differs a little bit is that we are working as a team too so it's a team effort and it's not it um just about the photos it's not just about the videos it's um we really have to combine and work as a team to make sure everybody gets um you know what they need um the shots they need so that's i say that's like another sort of key thing that maybe gets potentially overlooked it's it's not we're not in a studio we have more control than we do in a contest but um you know it's um and actually a lot of the places we we go are new places maybe riskier in the fact that we may not get as good wind or wind at all so you know going with the riders that can make something work and understand that you know it might not be the best conditions to do their best ever tricks but being able to 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 perform the best they can in the conditions that they are given and um on our side um myself and carlos we work together to kind of choose what's the best angle to kind of showcase um the trick or or the landscape and and things like that so it's 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 different to competition but i think the competition really taught me to be versatile um Uh not not just waiting i mean Ideally, you would wait to sunrise and sunset and, you know, almost not shoot anything in between. You don't have that luxury in competition and it just really takes you outside of your comfort zone. And um, that's been really useful. I think, you know, a lot of the trips we go to, we've never been there before. No, Nobody's kited in some of these places before. So we're turning up on location and it's about being efficient and, um, you know, of really course. kind of getting that shot. So, And um, I think on... On the other aspect too, there is another side to photography too, where it's even a little bit more studio style. So you could go to like Brazil and have like a more control over your 
your settings and knowing when the wind's going to be on and things like that. And that kind of allows you then to, to do sort of more creative um, things like with lighting and things like that. Um, so it's just, I'd almost say it's almost like three different sort of styles of photography. You've got the competition, you've got the almost documentary style of, a, of an adventure trip. And then you have maybe something that will be more focused on, on the sort of image um, concept itself. So, but yeah, it's always something, um, always something new with the wind, you know, nothing's never the same, uh, whether it be light, wind direction, rider, um, there's always something that keeps it fresh. And um, I think that's what keeps it interesting. You know, it keeps me motivated. Yeah, and you've you've got to keep that motivation to be able to come up with the the you know crazy ideas that you guys do because like you say you know it's places like Brazil you can get the so called typical beauty shot but then you guys go to remote locations where where no one has been to get that kind of out of the box. I mean, for you, what has been the most intense shooting that you've been on to date? Um, <clears throat> well, I'm trying to think. There's uh. I mean, all of the shoots, we, we come back pretty exhausted <laughs> at the end of it. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's a good feeling too, you know, like you've put everything in. And, uh, yeah, it's hard. It's, I mean, you do get shoots where, you know, it can be it, sometimes when it's not so windy and it's hard to get even, you know, a little bit of footage, they can be almost more uh, exhausting because you have the kind of, ang- you know, anxiety of uh, people only kind of see the pro- the footage that you produce. So, they don't know how it has been on that trip. They could, you know, you could get some trips where you score the most insane conditions and you get so much good footage and you can have others that are a bit more of a struggle. So um, I think each trip kind of brings its own, its own yeah. sort of um, aspects and, and adventure to it. So it's just, um, yeah, I think the main thing is just being able to work with changing you know being able to adapt quickly is is one of the key things that is uh is useful and and i think you know they they see that it's beneficial that our team can work together and um adapt to the different conditions and and you know quickly get if it's on for 20 minutes we we get to get you know good amount of footage in that in that 20 minutes we're not just yeah so so in common speak, that would basically be winging it. <laughs> winging it, yeah, well, <laughs> winging it with experience, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I love it, I love it. So um, tell me a couple of, like, tell me what is the, the funniest story that comes up and also what is the scariest story that's come up with shooting? Because I recently saw a photo of you in, I think it was the shooting you guys did in Russia where you were literally tied to a crane planted over the center of a lagoon what the hell was going through your brain? Well, yeah, that, that day um, we were trying to get, uh, I was trying to get a, I'm not too sure that was before drones as well. I'm, I kind of think it was before we had drones. Um, but yeah, I wanted to get an overhead angle, um, kind of looking down with the guys sort of doing some carve turns underneath. It was just a, an idea. Um, we had a, a slider on this trip in Russia and we had this huge kind of lorry with a crane. So I just had the idea of like, can you just strap me up to that thing and um, <laughs> just w- w- winch me out over the water? And uh, I-, I basically put on a harness backwards, which in hindsight was uh, it was like cutting off my blood circulation. It was uh, it was pretty <laughs> gnarly. Uh, I stayed up there for about fifteen or twenty minutes, and uh, I think it made more um, more of an impact on social media going, <laughs> going viral. Than, I mean, the shots are really nice, but I think the uh, 
the clip uh, definitely got a bit more coverage than the actual images. <laughs> the behind the scenes, mate. The behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, danger wise, um, I mean, generally, most of the riders I work with, you kind of, um, I understand what they can do and, you know, I have trust in their abilities or I wouldn't put myself into certain positions. So, you know, there's obviously, there can be freak accidents like that's happened before, you know, with gusts of winds and things like that. But, um, you know, I think obviously understanding the sport, doing the sport, you, I have a kind of an understanding of, you know, the, the safety in that aspect. Um, you know, swimming in waves at, at sunset in some places, it's, um, you know, maybe sharks are on your mind a little bit, <laughs> um, but, you know, <laughs> try not to think about it and uh, don't pee in my wetsuit. And uh, yeah, that's <laughs> that's all I can do to control that, I guess. Um, there you yeah. go. There you go, guys and girls. That's shark advice by Toby Bromwick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also, I think a really important thing is let's talk a little bit, Toby, about riders. Riding at the moment has, you know, we've gone from the spins to wins to people tweaking it out. And I must admit, I'm, you know, really happy with where the sport is at the moment because we are seeing that quality versus quality. I remember when you, you know, back in when you were a judge, you were always looking for the style. And in the photography, um, you it looks like you're looking for that as well. What makes the difference in between, let's say, maybe a competition rider who can land it and get all the points to those riders that are the free ride or the photography, let's say the Travis Rices of the kiteboarding world? Yeah, um, I think, yeah, obviously there's kind of two different styles and you do get the the stylish riders that do competition a lot of the time. It's the necessary to kind of get legitimacy for their name, I guess. Um, so you do see that too. But um, I would say the tour also kind of goes in ebbs and flows. It will have a time where, you know, the pinnacle of what's possible is scoring the highest. Um, and then, you know, maybe the how that is executed will score higher at some points. And we kind of see that evolving and changing. And uh, that definitely was a, you know, during our time... Um, you know, some of the biggest rivalries, Kevin versus Aaron, for example, they yeah. had such different styles and both were incredible. And you had a big judging range where you could win over technical difficulty and then you could win over execution. Um, so it was uh, personally, I would say there was two judges, myself and Julian, that were maybe leaning a little bit more towards, um, you know, our view was that we wanted to see this technical stuff, but we wanted to see it when it had been like a little bit more polished um, you know, not something that you just learned a day before was a star bit with ease, star yeah, with ease. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's definitely that translates too. I mean, there's riders, uh, I'll give an example, Yuri Zoon, for example, he's incredibly powerful, um, goes massive and he does take good photos too. Um, but sometimes with, you know, these double passes and things, um, usually just simpler tricks are able easier to get into a, a more stylish position to have more time to you know tweak tweak grabs longer hold grabs longer so you might you can kind of come around into the position that you know maybe would work best for the image so yeah definitely there's there's definitely a difference between maybe the riders that are winning and the ones who would be my favorites to to photograph and inside the do its own team because obviously you like you said you are head of photography so you go to all the different photo shoots 
when you sit down with the riders, because you guys are a very cool group, you guys and girls pretty know each other inside inside out. So I presume you must know, you know, what that rider can do and, you know, use it to your photography um, advantage. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's riders that we definitely work with more. Um, I mean, Renault is on a lot of trips. I've known Renault since he was 16. Um, and yeah, he's, I mean, with riders you work with a lot, you almost you can just tell them what lens you're using or even they can just see that and they know kind of exactly where to be and you know it is very easy to communicate um and you know there's also new riders uh that you know we're kind of working with um on a less frequent basis and um it's just kind of communicating we get the chance to kind of go through the images um after a day and um yeah it's 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 really it's exciting to kind of you know my job is really to see what they can do and then kind of figure out what's the best possible angle and you know setting to to kind of maximize um the the shot and um i mean that's also an interesting thing too we just had a a, a photo shoot in foot of ventura and you know it's quite often you go to locations and maybe from a rider's perspective it doesn't look great the conditions are not a kind of junky and I, I feel like, I don't know if it's the same with other photographers, but I definitely have heard that, um, you know, I I remember Susie May once telling me, it's like, it, it's always dangerous with me. It's like, you know, that there's always a consequence uh, almost to some locations that I would choose and get really excited about. But usually the outcome is um, kind of worth it. And uh, I think it's kind of like building up that trust. Uh, we had yeah. one spot in particular, uh, which has actually just got the cover on the Kite Mag, um we got some amazing images of just some airs with the with the surf team um Ayrton and James in particular were just going massive and uh I think they came out and they were just like yeah that was kind of like whatever no okay session and then showed them the images and they're like what like <laughs> and actually the same thing happened um with Patri and and uh Sky recently out in Maui too we went to some spot and it was actually I couldn't communicate with them on the water and they rode for 30 minutes and then just left because they're like oh we're not getting anything and then you know we come back and then they're like oh my god I can't believe how good these shots look and I was like yeah I was trying to tell you guys stay <laughs> so, uh, yeah, listen so, to me next time <laughs> yeah but um it, that's kind of how it is it's um you know it's it's you kind of build a relationship I guess with each of the riders and and you know I'm learning what they're doing and then um yeah you know just trying to work together to kind of maximize uh maximize that so toby um a little bit of an advice let's because you know duotone obviously has so many little groms coming up it's really cool to start to see the youngsters on all aspects you know we've got the big air where the you know they don't even they don't have any fear and they are just going to the moon you've got the strapless riders you've got some of the wake stylers what would you recommend to a rider to start to do to be able to get their head around photography because obviously being a photography rider like you say you need to know lenses you need to know where to jump how but it seems like for the probably one of the most important aspects and that I used a lot when I was back in the day was communication with the photographer not worrying and actually having a chat before then just going out and having a session yeah absolutely I mean that is really key um we sometimes see you know, people are excited when they, you know, have a photographer turn up and they just go out and ride. 
And uh, it's not just a question of you. You can do the best tricks in the world, but if you're, you know, in the wrong spot, it's going to be either not possible to capture it or it's not going to look as good as it could. So, um, I mean, obviously the photographer has something to do with that too, but um, yeah, definitely speak to them. Um, and something that you did and Ruben Lenton, um, which I still tell people today, is you were really proactive um, with you know, getting your shots, really analyzing everything and kind of making sure that the good shots saw the light of day and maybe the so-so ones, you know, you just kept back. And uh, I think that's really, you know, something for pro riders or, you know, up and coming people. It's uh, good to put out the right impression of yourself. And, um, you know, it's it's not it's quality over quantity in, in that sense, I would say. Yeah, definitely, definitely is, mate. No, it's. I think I think that is some of the best advice they can have. So, Groms, there you have it. That is the advice there from Toby Bromwick. You're going to be having him in the water one day and hopefully clicking the old finger. Toby, thank you so much for joining us, mate. It has been great to catch up. So, where's next for you? When are we going to be having that beer? Oh well, thank you, Joe. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I really hope to get back to Spain, Tarifa, um, this this next coming year. And uh, next trip for me, I'm um, heading down to Baja um, over the New Year's period, um, catching up with Noé Font and, um, yeah, just getting a couple of shots on some top secret gear that I can't tell you anything about. But, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to um, hopefully be able to travel back to, to Spain and, uh, yeah, we'll have to go out for some tapas. Absolutely. If not, it's Jamie Oliver's burgers and beers at my place, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Cool. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Okay. Yeah, thank you very much, Toby. And thank you very much, everybody, for joining in. That was Inside the World of Duotone with head photographer for Duotone Kiteboarding, Toby Bromwick. <laughs>